This is the Game Time Guru Podcast, where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome out to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. My name is Shane Larson, host of the show. We are now officially six years running into this show. Um, I'm just so super grateful for everybody who's tuned into this podcast, who's helped me since the very beginning. You know, we've reached 179 countries, all 50 states, and it's all thanks in large part to the people who have been on the podcast, the people who have listened to the podcast, those who have shared the podcast with a friend or a family member, anything. Um, if you guys have left a review on Apple Podcasts, that's helped me out because it helps push it out to more people. So thank you. If you haven't done so, I'll just ask you, hey, that's a great way to show support. It takes 30 seconds. Feel free to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. But I just want to say thanks. We're now into the sixth year of the show, and I am not stopping. Uh, there's a lot of great guests and a lot of great content that are coming your way. Amazing interviews, and I'm just super, super thankful. So bringing onto the show today an amazing guest. This is This is an awesome opportunity for me to you know, dive into the business world a little bit as well on this podcast, because for those who listen to me and have followed me, and maybe they know me personally, they know I'm a huge fight fan. I'm a combat sports fan. I'm a former boxer. I love MMA. And when I was introduced to our guest a couple months back um, for some other, you know, business ventures, I was, I was introduced to him and, and I saw what he was doing um, in the MMA space and I was just blown away. And so I'm just beyond grateful for the opportunity to be able to bring him onto the show today and share what he's got going on on the MMA front, um, and especially from the business perspective. And we're going to dive into a couple different things here, but his name is Harrison Rogers, and we're going to be talking about the United Fight League and everything um, underneath the umbrella. Uh, so Harrison, thanks so much for joining the show, man. Heck yeah, thank you. I uh, am excited. Like you said, we kind of get to go over both our MMA love and business. I mean, it's kind of fun. Heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. So another thing too, we'll probably touch base on just for the listeners is uh, Harrison's podcast. Cause that's um, something that I actually have an opportunity to kind of like be uh, a part of just in the sense of on the back end, just kind of listening to his content quite consistently. And I would encourage everybody there too, to go check that out. Um, I'm going to link it here. We'll talk about that in a minute. So I'll, I'll give you more details on the name and stuff, but the whole MMA space is, is unbelievable. So Harrison real quick, so people can have an understanding of who you are. Let's get a background of who you are, where you're from. Um, so that they kind of understand how you landed in the MMA world. So just tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you. It is a long story of how the heck it, it surprises me still of, of what we're doing right now, because never was it the plan to be a MMA sport promoter, but it has been a blast getting here. Um, you know, started out uh, as a high school dropout, was horrible at, with formal education and started my first business my junior year of high school. And that's kind of my uh, proud moment, you know, wearing a high school dropout badge on, on your sleeve. It was it definitely was not cool at the time. Um, that's for sure. But luckily, was able to have successful business ventures up until, you know, 2020 happened where, uh, you know, being politically ignorant and uh, leaving politics to the politicians my whole career, um, I was like, wait, I, I thought we live in America. How are how are my businesses able to just be shut down by government and everything? And so I got really freaked out and was like, I need to get way more involved in holding these uh, representatives accountable. And uh, through that, you know, learning a bunch of different things, 
by fire hose, you know, trying to drink from the fire hose knowledge and realize that uh, politics really sh is a beast of its own that we know it doesn't evolve and um, or hasn't evolved. It's been doing the same thing for the last, you know, ever the cocktail fundraisers, the boring, you know, elite of elite. And we realize that my, my ideology leans more um, blue collar, you know? And so seeing that uh, a lot of my fellow MMA sport loving audience leaned more politically like uh, in, in my direction, I wanted to bridge the gap from, it seems their, you know, disconnect with, I'm a conservative. So the conservative party's, you know, uh, lifestyle, it, it, there's such a disconnect there that the ones who should be, you know, that are the most frustrated and angry and need to be holding their accountable, their re representatives accountable to fix these problems. There's just no communication happening there. And so me and Frank Mir, UFC legend, you know, Frank Mir had, let's make a fundraising event that brings those two worlds together. And that was our first event in Miami in March of 2022. And it started this whole movement that uh, we weren't planning on pivoting into, but it has been. And now that uh, we're out of 2022 and realizing that, uh, you know, politics is going to be a long battle and uh, some fundraisers aren't going to solve it, you know, for yeah. overnight, we are now pivoting to the MMA space, which has been, poised for disruption you know it's kind of the big thousand pound gorilla ufc nobody ever wants to take on and i don't think we plan to take them on but we plan to disrupt the industry which has been obviously um taken over by the yeah. ufc and so how we do that is by building our whole ecosystem of feeder leagues of sponsors of basically the heroes and champions that built UFC. The difference uh, between those legends is now that now they're more informed, like Frank Mir, Tito Ortiz, Rampage Jackson. Um, man, I am rambling like crazy. I apologize if you no, were wanting to great. interrupt any of this, no, but this is great. You're, you're good. <laughs> okay. Well, um, these legends built the UFC off of their backs, but now being on round two, they see how much they were kind of exploited and they don't want the next generation of fighters to have to go through the same struggles and pains of that they've had to go through. Um, Cause you can imagine what it would be like if they had any ownership in the UFC um, when they retired, you know, that acquisition and sale would have helped them tremendously. And so this new league that we're starting called the United fight league is going to do just that. They could be part of something from the ground up that they actually, and current and future fighters will have shares in the company. So this time they're helping build a, a gorilla that they have a piece of. And I just, it's been so fun watching these 
legends get excited again about something where uh, in the early UFC days. You know, it's that is so exciting to me. Um, there's a couple of reasons this this is exciting because I've always nerded out on the business side of things. Um, you and I probably run in similar circles on some fronts when it comes to some business, um, you know, people and, and so forth in the in like my full time work that I work at ClickFunnels and so so forth. There's just like I, I'm around a lot of the business world because of that. And the UFC specifically, just mixed martial arts and, and professional sports in particular, but like mixed martial arts on the business side has always been something I've nerded out about. So when I came in contact with you, I was like, Oh dude, I'm all on board for this. So everything you just shared right there for the audience, this is exactly why I will. I'm like excited for what Harrison's doing. This is why I wanted to bring him onto the show because I'm, I'm a big believer in what you're doing. I did an episode on this podcast about five years ago on the UFC monopolizing mixed martial arts. I mean, it's, they, they kind of took over. Um, they're sort of like the Disney, of this you know disney kind of took over all the these different brands and like engulfed everything well the ufc and it's not necessarily a bad thing but i like the the fact that you know you're mentioning tito ortiz rampage jackson frank Mir, some some of these people exploited it probably be the, the the word for it like there's there was so much opportunity there had they been given shares and so forth and it seems like you know the ufc is this dominant powerhouse and engulfed all these like quote-unquote smaller fight leagues and promotions um but yet there's still a lot of complaints on the financial aspect of things. And there's a lot of things they probably could have done differently and they could still do differently from a business standpoint. And you guys are there to, you know, help these fighters out. There's a lot of fighters out there that deserve better, you know what I mean? And deserve other opportunities. So going into this, you know, Harrison, we hear about the UFC. That's like the powerhouse of mixed martial arts. However, there are some other good promotions such as Bellator um, over in England. You've got, you know, cage warriors, uh, there's LFA, there's so so you got Cage Warriors, and then and then you've got uh, the PFL, for example, and and some other ones that have come up, and and they're doing okay. But I want to talk about the UFL, uh, United Fight League, and this is what you guys are putting together. And I want to know, and the, the listeners want to know, so what exactly are we doing to disrupt it? So with that being said, I want to ask the, the the question that everyone's going to want to get into is like the pay situation. Well, I know we don't necessarily want to talk about pay. But let's talk about insurance because I know you've talked about it on your podcast and you've talked about the insurance aspect for these fighters and what that what what difference you guys are going to make compared to that of the other promotions. And I've, I've heard Tito talk about it and so forth. So maybe educate us on the insurance that you're going to be providing these fighters in the United Fight League. Yeah, it is one of our one of our biggest benefits uh, because, you know, if you've listened to some of our podcasts in the past with these legends, you only get surgery. You only get uh, medical help uh, for your medical bills if you're injured in the actual fight. Um, but every fighter will tell you that they're most likely to get injured training leading up to fights or after fights, you know, down the road when they're just getting back into uh, training after they've taken a, some time off. And so fighters, if they get injured during their um, training, they often fight injured so that they can then claim they were injured in the fight, you know, magnif maximizing and just multiplying their damage to their injuries. And it really not only is a disservice for the, for the fighters, you know, that, that need to do that, but also for the fans, because if we can extend the, the career lifespan of these amazing fighters, 
I think that's doing a service to the audience as well, not only um, to the fighters, but the fighters, you know, can actually feel like the, a company cares about their, not only their, their physical health, but their mental health, their stresses at home, their things that, you know, their wife is like, oh, you can't even help around the house, but you're, you know, and just so much psychology goes into medical insurance for these fighters, whether, you know, it's at home, mentally, physically, and, and whatnot. And so the second we said we have a, a, a plan, and I'll explain what our insurance policy is in a little bit, they have been flocking to it to be like, wait, you're saying that if I get injured in, you know, a, a training camp leading up to the fight, I can go and be seen by a doctor then, you know, and not have to be worried that I've disclosed that I'm injured. And, and then if I ha have an injury that needs to be taken care of, I can get that taken care of then. And that is just a huge difference. It's expensive. And that's why UFC or these other Bellator, PFL, you know, the big boys don't do it is because it is, uh, it's ridiculously expensive. Obviously a insurance carrier isn't going into business to lose money they want to you know make a profit but they can weigh the risk right like is it going to be you know a professional fight is it going to be whatever and we've been back and forth back and forth with an insurance carrier to strike a very unique almost um, brand new line of insurance for these mma fighters which i'm super proud to be able to bring to the market um, that, you know, large, the rule of lar large numbers, hopefully uh, we can find that price point that doesn't kill the organization for being able to offer it. But that's what we're, that's what we set out to do from the beginning. And we found an initial way to do it. And, um, that is one of the reasons why we will have so much loyalty and commitment from these fighters is, you know, well, I haven't even gotten into the retirement, but does that make sense so far about the insurance? I, I feel like I've been rambling before I move on. No, that that's totally fine. And I want to reiterate for the, the listeners, one of the things you mentioned was the psychological impact, like the mental impact. So like if you're a fighter, I'm going to give us some examples real quick, Harrison. Like let's look at the top level fighters. TJ Dillashaw just fighting a title fight. He fought a title fight with a ripped shoulder completely out of its socket, but yet he didn't disclose that injury uh, before that. And I'm just speculating, but that could have very well had a reason to do with it, right? He was fighting for a title. That's probably a big part of it. But there's two, he he doesn't get paid if he doesn't fight. So like, or at least his full purse. So it's like he went in there. He didn't want to have to deal with it. And he, and he ripped his shoulder out. Like, I mean, he's fighting. If you guys watch that, that fight, it was awful. Uh, his shoulder blew out of its socket on the first time he got taken down because it was already torn. Uh, for coming from somebody who had to have his shoulder replaced like or, or repaired, I understand that feeling. It sucks. Um Secondly, like Yuri Prohaska uh, just injured himself in camp. Another, like, I guess that was a shoulder injury or of some sort where he couldn't fight Glover Teixeira in the title fight. And they had to give that over to, to Jan Blahovic and, and whomever, you know, that they were, they were fighting just last week. So that was another thing. He fights her injures himself in camp, but it was so bad that he probably couldn't hold on to it. Well, that's the thing. Like these, these fighters, they do go through a lot. When I listened to your podcast, the HJR experiment, when, and you guys were talking about, um, I think it was it was when you had all three of them. You had Rampage, you had Tito, and I can't remember. Was it Frank that was on there too? Yeah, it was all three of them talking about broken hands, concussions, 
fractured orbitals. I mean, there's things that they had hurt themselves in camp, but they needed to go fight because they didn't get paid off of that, right? So this is real life. What Harrison just said was real life. So if you look at the psychological impact that having insurance, it's a simple concept. It's not simple in a financial term because like Harrison said, it's it's expensive. But for a fighter, just that and, and the fighter's family and everything from a psychological standpoint, knowing like, hey, I'm going to go give my all in camp. I'm going to give it everything I've got because I know that I'm covered in case I do get hurt. I'm okay. But I want to do everything I possibly can to fight at the highest level, to be able to be in the best shape possible so that I can work my way up the ranks. It's a huge impact. I just don't want to like, I don't, I don't want to just like brush that over. Like the psychological impact of having insurance is unbelievable. It's the same reason a lot of people in today's world, as crappy as it is, will go get a job and be a W-2 employee that has full coverage insurance because they just feel better. You know, it's not necessarily, I'm not telling you that's right or wrong. I'm just saying that there is a psychological impact that that can do for an individual and a family for that matter, because sometimes these fighters, that's the way that they're providing for their family. So their wife or their, you know, their, their husband or wife or their significant other, they're going to pay attention to that stuff. So I just wanted to touch base on that. So feel free to continue on Harrison. I didn't want to take over what you got going on. No, you articulated that so much better than I did. I mean, it, thank you. The, I can't, I can't, talk long enough about how excited these fighters are about the health care insurance um, alone, let alone everything else we're putting into place. Um, so thank you for reiterating in a much, uh, much easier, art, better articulated fashion. Um, but then, like I was saying, some of the other things that are exciting for um, us and these fighters is they own a piece of the company. You know, we have this class B type shares. I'll explain the difference between class A and class B shares, but we're, a we're growing like crazy. We need people to, you know, be excited to stay, um, stay around for the long haul because it's going to take a while before our audience falls in love with these fighters. They need to know, they need to learn who they are. They need to under, like, why do I even care to watch them? Why don't I just watch the UFC? That's where all the best fighters are anyway. And we need to show that that's not the case. And to do that, we need to continue to build a pool of fighters that want to stick around with us for years and years and down the road so that our audience knows, whoa, okay, I love these fighters. They're awesome. And we actually think that they could probably beat the uh, champion in, in UFC, but they've never cared to go fight any of them because UFL takes care of them for so long that, you know, it'll take a few years to, to do that. But having a stake in the company, like, uh, you know, whether you've fought once and you have a thousand shares or you've fought 10 times and you're a champion and you have a hundred thousand shares, you are, and you're getting every quarter mailbox money for being, you know, a dividend bearing stock or dividend bearing share that why would you want to go fight in a UFC contract when you're getting a, you're getting one purse and then see you later, you know, we want to be competitive with our purse prices where, you know, that's not very hard to do right now. UFC pays nothing, but not only do we want to be competitive in the purse front, look at all these extra benefits. And then just over time, you know, people are going to be people from the other uh, promotions are going to beg to get out of their contracts to come with us. Cause they just see long haul. It makes no sense to not fight only with us. So, um, having a stake in the company is uh, how we're doing that by every single fight you have in the UFL, you're getting X amount of shares. It's, it's based off of a bunch of things, but yeah, let's uh, then when they're done fighting, 
and they're wanting to become commentators or start their own gym or like Tito wants to, he's starting his own restaurant in Florida. Now they can either hold, keep their shares for the long term and keep getting quarterly uh, distribution checks, or they can sell their shares either back to the company or by that time will be publicly traded so that there can be an open um, market for them to cash out and liquidate their, their um, shares. And that hopefully is the most exciting for everybody because Frank, Tito, Rampage, you know, all these people will tell you that when you're done fighting, hopefully you have some of these other ambitions. Otherwise, there's no more cash coming in the door, and uh, we want to fix that. No, that, that is such a huge piece, man. Equity in a company, essentially, just having some sort of buy-in, some sort of stock into the company is a massive thing. Like These days, I tell all these business owners, these contractors, these people that are like, working with other people. I'm in, I'm in the business space myself. And I see, I'm like, that's a big negotiation piece. Like they won't do work for somebody unless they actually can get a piece, even if it's just 1% like equity in a company, right? Like that's a, that's a negotiation piece because it does, there's so many things it does. And I think that's a genius idea. It's a genius idea. One, it builds loyalty into your brand and your company because these people are going to want to stay there. So they have a reason they have a, they got skin in the game. And two, it's like, it just builds up like this. It, it, it's a, it's a motivating United. factor to get in there. It's it's unbelievable. You you've done an amazing job there. It's very incentivized. So you've got insurance and then you know stock opportunities in this company where they can buy some shares and stay for the long term. And I love that you mentioned the retirement aspect. Those three guys you just mentioned, Frank, you know Frank Mir, Tito Ortiz, Rampage Jackson, and even in, any of the other like old school MMA guys, and not even just old school. I mean, we can talk as recent people too. Like if you really look at it after it, it just is unfortunate the, the sport of mixed martial arts unfortunately the retirement aspect is tough you know the nfl for example you you play you get into your fourth year of your contract you've got a a pension and you're, you're getting paid every single year a, a very hefty amount of money so like it's just hard because they have billions and billions of dollars of revenue streaming in every single year whereas like mixed martial arts is relatively new to the combat sports world so it's just a little different but it's odd to me because you're taking a lot of punishment and putting your body on the line and you want to have some of these incentivizing factors financially uh, from all around the board. So this is absolutely genius. Talking about the UFL then, let's talk about it. So from my understanding, Harrison, six divisions. There's going to be six divisions, four men's, two women's. Um, and there's going to be four different events. So I'm I'm kind of, I don't want to compare it to other, to other leagues because that's oh, you guys are trying to separate yourself. But I'm looking at it more of, it's like a league. It's like a tournament style like I guess it's a league, like almost like the PFL, but you're you're in a sense like, yeah, you're looking at it. You have four different events, so I want you to break it down for us. It looks like four men's divisions, two women's. So you've got one thirty-fivers, one forty-fivers, one seventies, one eighty-fives for men's, one fifteens and one thirty-fives for women. Um, and I, I and then you got four events. You've got one in Phoenix, one in Tennessee, one in Salt Lake, and then one back in Phoenix at the end of the year as you go through those four events, but how does it actually work and how do these brackets work and how does one actually is it, what's the point system? Like those are the details that the fans and the listeners are probably going to want to hear. Cause they're probably listening to this right now. And they're going to be like, Holy crap. This is amazing. Tell me more about it. So tell us about the point system and how the brackets work. Perfect. Yeah. The best way to say this is it's in two phases. 2023 is phase one. 2024 is phase two. Um, in 2023, 
you know, we have, a, we're launching our bracket system for those six different uh, weight classes that you were talking or different divisions, um, the females and the males, uh, different weight classes. What this accomplishes, not only do we have um, our ability to know who's the best in, you know, our champions, we, it ranks, it ranks a lot of our uh, studs and fighters in a uh, number, you know, like you can say you're ranked one, two, three, four, five. So remember that benefit real quick, but then it also allows us to in phase two. Oh man, I just did it. I, I knew I was going to, I was going to bring something up too quickly. I'm going to, I'm going to go back to uh, staying in, in uh, phase one. What we need to do is not only have our champions, like I was saying, we need to have a pool of athletes and this allows us to be making sure that, in phase two, we have enough talent that we can pull this off in phase two. I'll explain what phase two is in a second, but um, it also allows us to show the other companies how they work together. Um, you know, in, in, if we can't accomplish phase two, if these companies aren't operating together synergistically, because freedom fight night is going to be a feeder league, just like UFC has a plethora of feeder leagues. And that is such a value for UFC that, you know, Bellator, all these other companies don't have as much because just because everybody wants to go to the UFC. So if we don't have that kind of consistent trickle in of new talent of people wanting to get to the UFL, we're hosed. And so this allows us in phase one to grow our freedom fight night brand that hey this is this is my gateway to you know the ufl it's hard just to go straight to the ufl this is my step one you kind of have to build this wheel that all work together in order to accomplish that but two how the heck do we build the names of those up and coming uh fighters for the audience to even care about well we have our reality show where me frank mir rampage jackson tito ortiz we go ar around the country to their local gyms and hold tryouts that are a blast to be a part of. It's kind of like American Idol for fighters, but you know um, we're getting better at showing the actual drama. We did our first season and it was very much like, Hey, this is, this is what we're doing. But there were so many behind the scenes drama that we kept out that were like, why are we withholding this from the audience? So not only is it fun to watch, it's allowing the audience to be a part of the journey of these up and coming fighters that will show their talent in freedom fight night. And then they can move to the United fight league um, as they show their talent. And then they can become either a champion or they can earn their, their spot on our roster because in phase two in 2024, we're actually setting up the franchise system that that's where we implement the scoring system. There's not going to be any scoring system or point system in phase one, because they, they're, they're not going to be fighting in teams at this point. In phase two, they'll be fighting in teams and franchises. We're going to become the NBA of MMA, and I'll explain how that works. But, um, then, but then we'll also have our bracket continue. So phase one will basically continue forever, but in phase two, we're going to add on this whole other revolutionary component to UFL, which is going to become the M uh, the NBA of MMA, where people like Rampage Jackson, Frank Mir, Tito Ortiz can have their franchise, their team, their of the NBA, but in this case the UFL, 
and it is going to become a it's basically merging i don't know if you remember ifl they try to do like a team league but it, it was very um unexciting because if somebody if a team wins three in a row and say they only had five in, in a team you already know who won and it's not even like halfway through the night so being able to bring on a whole point system kind of like the collegiate wrestling league you know uh point system but there's ability to have a lot more strategy and then i feel like that's when audience gets it like you know you like golf because you you can kind of do analytics and stats and you know that's why you like the nba and then you can have like fantasy basketball well with having these point systems and these franchises and these things that you can follow and you can be your own manager of this franchise we can have fantasy mma i mean there's so many cool things that we're working on, but it really doesn't make sense until, you know, phase one's done, phase two's done, phase three's done. But so it's going to be a couple year process, but I really think by the time we built it, it's going to be the only way to go moving forward. And these other big promotions are going to need to follow suit because we have these, I mean, we always hear, horrible fighter pay, no healthcare insurance, you know, people like Jake Paul wanting to start a union with Anderson Silva so that, uh, you know, if they have unified fighters, they can go negotiate better contracts from these promotions. We're basically beating that before the unionization of fighters even happens. We're already united. They have ownership of the company. They don't have to negotiate their own you know, the best contract they can get there. Everybody's in love with this because not only do they make money off of the growth of the promotion of the events of the fighters, this UFL, like the NBA, you know, it owns its own merch, its own reality show, its own podcast revenue, its own, you know, content revenue, plus our uh, very, very ahead of the curve um, energy drink, you know, we're going to have supplements. We're going to have all these different things that why would a fighter ever have a different energy drink or not pr or promote different merch or different whatever because they own it. And so I think uh, by the time we've built it, they'll be behind the curve and UFC and Bellator and PFL are going to kind of hopefully be able to pivot quickly for, you know, hopefully for, for them. Yeah, man, that's this is what it's awesome is like the business aspect of this is very intriguing to me because yeah, you got to build it out in phases, but you guys have already built the foundation of everything. Even the content platforms that you have, like you were just talking about your reality TV show. So let's, if we rewind and unpack that a little bit, that's you, you answered the questions that people will probably are when they're listening, they're probably like, well, how's he going to, how do these fighters even, how do we even know who these people are? Why would we even watch this? Well, guess what? Harrison already built that. He's got a reality TV show. He's showing you who these people are. Go check it out. I'm going to link your YouTube channel here because on that YouTube channel, you have the reality show. You've got the podcast and these are good. Like hit, hit the podcast itself for me as a, as a fan of MMA. And it's not just MMA talk. There's politics, there's spirituality. There's a lot of cool conversations that are had on this uh, but you're you're with um, some awesome, intriguing figures. So it's not just mixed martial arts only and all that stuff. But you've had some amazing guests and some amazing conversations. But you have the reality show. And it's a pretty freaking cool platform. So I'm going to link your YouTube here. I'm going to encourage everybody to go check his his channel out because it's it's freaking dope. Now, you mentioned, you. okay, fighter, like the, the, the feeder league. So 
I love that Freedom Fight Night. You, you've got a feeder league in there that's going to be helping push people up there into the UFL. Uh, that's huge. And it's all part of this ecosystem. You've got the UFL and this whole umbrella uh, that, you, that you've got coming down. I'm from Boise, Idaho. Up here in Boise, there's a lot of talented fighters. I know I know that. And, and I coach basketball and I travel around the country coaching basketball. And I see a lot of talent all across in these like smaller regions. And it's the same concept. It's like, I wish they could be seen. I wish they had a, a better opportunity somewhere else. I think what you're doing with Freedom Fight Night is huge. Um, it's going to, and, and feeding that up into the UFL, it's, it's huge because these fighters have a platform. They have this opportunity to be seen. They have this opportunity to actually make something of themselves. And I just wish more fighters had that uh, because even up here in Boise, I'm looking at it. We have smaller regional promotions up here, but these fighters definitely, if, if they were given that opportunity, could definitely compete at a higher level. They just, I mean, at, the reality is they just, they just don't have that. So you're providing an, an option here. That's awesome. Now, F3 is, is you mentioned an energy drink. Um, I was told it's more of a, like a neurotropic, uh, we know, like not necessarily an energy drink. We didn't want to label it that way, but maybe we are labeling it that way as, a, as an energy drink. But, you know, what I, what I was told when I was talking uh, to one of your, your um, I guess, workers here at the company, um, as I was pulling notes here for the show, was the sponsorship with with this energy drink and the bonuses that potentially could come along with that. See, like these fighters could potentially get bonuses. So could you talk about that too with like this energy drink that they could be part owners in if they're part of your your, your league? What about the bonuses and, and how does that work with the sponsorships with F3? I'm so glad you brought that up. I mean, dang, thank you because I will forget stuff that we're doing. So for you to be able to <laughs> remember things, thank you. Um, F3 is thank you also for bringing up that it's not just an energy drink. I, I get used to be saying that just because of what you're Well, you know, uh, it, it makes sense. They're used to hearing monster or bang or whatever when they're uh, talking about UFC or whatnot. But my background actually is in mental health business companies and whatnot. And so I am very much um, excited to, build hopefully a benefit to not only the mixed martial arts healthcare fighter life um, as far as physical job occupation whatever but also in the mental health and there is so many cool ingredients slash substances that are coming out with um, you know if you listen to Joe Rogan or anybody else I don't want to say uh, stuff directly um, but with uh, what is it psycho what is the <laughs> you you can still cut all this stuff are, are, are we live good. no we're not live we're, we're recording but we can always okay. edit it if we have to because I, I i wanted to say a name but i'm realizing that i probably shouldn't say their name oh, but okay. what is it called what are the substances called that you know that are shrooms that are psychedelic psycho <laughs> yeah no you're good. psychedelics yeah okay i'll go back to what i was saying i mean there's so much proof and evidence coming out with these different ingredients and, and drugs, you know, these psychedelic therapies and stuff that are coming out. I'm so excited to find drinks or supplements that fighters can use to combat depression, anxiety, uh, different traumas that unfortunately I, I talk to so many fighters who are on the verge of suicide and terrible, terrible things that if we can find, um, remedies for why the heck aren't we, um, depression and anxieties through the roof for everybody, but in, for fighters too, that have these traumatic, uh, things 
uh, happen to them physically just amplifies their likelihood of, and the stresses of money and everything like fighters are just poised for a lot of mental health battles. So we're excited for F3 that stands for fuel for fighters um, to make a big mark in the uh, combat sports world. But we also can't wait for our term of fighter to evolve more than just to a physical MMA fighter, because, you know, we think of nurses, uh, doctors, police officers, firemen as firefighters or as fighters. And so how can our fuel fuel those fighters? And so there's so many different things that we're excited to be working with these scientists on that can be a direct benefit for these fighters, a direct benefit for these fighters. Like we have some drinks that aren't even for energy. So I, I probably shouldn't call it energy drink ever again because it's directly for mood stabilization and mental clarity and acuity and all these different things that we're excited for that to fuel this, these fighters over here, you know, they're not, they don't need the energy, whatever their fight is very much. They're needing just uh, mental uh, capacity. And there's so many great things that are evolving to, consume or dietary supplement wise that we can infuse into our drinks that are going to help so many different fighters fuel. <laughs> Yo, I, I love it, man. I absolutely love it. That is super, super cool. So, um, with F3, are we allowed to talk about, so we know what the, the drink is and you know, the reason behind you, you guys trying to like incorporate this with the, the UFL and everything. Um, can we talk about the sponsorships they might potentially be able to provide for the fighters? <laughs> Absolutely. How about I answer all your questions? No, dude, I, I, I asked too many of them at once. That's my own fault, man. So I just got to, no. I got to break it down. That's my own fault. I apologize. Um, what's so dang cool is because UFL control owns that as well and controls that everybody dreams of having, you know, the monster, or the bang energy uh, sponsorship, you know, it's like such a claim to fame or a, a you know, badge on your, belt for having a sponsorship from uh, energy drink. Ours is the same way. If you come through our tryouts and you, you know, win a contract with freedom fight night or contract with UFL, you can have your fight camp sponsored by F3 F3 energy, which is like, wait, we immediately get our insurance and we're, you know, our, our, training camp is paid for that's kind of the biggest stresses of a fighter's journey is okay cool i finally got noticed i can i have a, a fight coming up in two months i'm gonna go head down bang my head against the wall and just make sure i'm in fight you know shape and be ready for that event that's when you're most likely to get injured. That's when you're paying for coaches and, and gyms and whatnot without having any money paid back to you yet. So you're stressed out at home, you're stressed out, whatever. If you coming through our wheel, you can have health care insurance right away that if you get injured, you're not destitute. Or financially, we're paying your coaches, we're paying your whatever it is for your fight camp through a sponsorship of our neuro typical drink or i forgot what we call it i'm just gonna say energy drink for i got you no that's totally cool <laughs> i mean that's it's a shame to to pigeonhole it into an energy drink but i can't remember the scientific names i wonder if it's a neurotropic or something i don't know um, there you. It, that is awesome though so just 
just so you guys are saying that like there there's opportunities there i love that you mentioned the camps though and the stress that puts on a fighter i talk to them all the time especially fighters that are fighting in like quote-unquote lower tiered promotions you know they have to work a full-time job a lot of them are working full-time jobs and when it's time for camp i mean they're only able to train you know an hour and a half to two hours a night um so they're not getting the full training that they need but they still have to pay their gym fees Gym fees are not cheap, just so everybody understands. To go fight in an MMA gym, it's actually kind of expensive. It's like going to a CrossFit gym. They're kind of like expensive depending on where you go. You got coaches you need to pay for. And so usually you're not getting paid until you fight, right? And so you have to fulfill your contract. And then when you receive your money for your fights, then that money disappears pretty quickly when you have to, you know, pay it all back out, you know? And so it's, 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 I, I just wish people understood the intricacies of the sport and why, you know, you, Harrison, have, you know, built this system out the way that you have, because you're answering all these questions and hitting on all these like tough points. So tryouts, you had talked about tryouts. Um, and, and I wanted to talk about these fighters because you mentioned about these fighters being able to go to these tryouts. You've had the reality TV show for them. And I want to know how do, do, do you have open tryouts? So like, do they have to be part of a gym that you're going to like that you're, you're traveling to, or can they, can they go and see, and where do they find out about these tryouts? You have nailed several several of the misunderstandings uh, of these tryouts so far. We love, like we we don't know what gym across the country has the best fighters. So we want every fighter from any gym to come to our open tryouts. That we try to release updates ahead of time. You know, hopefully three to four weeks before we we plan the tryout so that people can. Uh, we have we have fighters coming flying in from multiple States, uh, depending on when we have it. But if we have it at an, a specific gym of like, let's say uh, the lab in Arizona is, is known for being its own pro team, but it's also an incredible gym and they have a great facility. One time we did that at, at extreme couture and a lot of people didn't show up because they thought we were trying to promote that team and only fighters wow. from that gym and that team could come totally not the case we want everybody i mean if you're training out of you know joe's black belt bjj garage <laughs> please come um and uh try out it's it's a great time for the reality show we have a blast a lot of these uh Hall of Famers that we have on our team, you know, Rampage, Frank, and Tito, their characters, they get in and they have a fun time with these um, fighters trying out. And and we want to tell you their stories. You know, we want them to get recognition from audiences that maybe they wouldn't have got exposed to otherwise. And because the, the more we can build their names, the more we can build our excitement of our brackets, of our, you know, swag. People want to fall in love with fighters again. I feel like they don't have that opportunity in ufc anymore you know you're kind of just like you're cycled in so fast and out and out so fast now they don't even, embarrassingly i'm a i'm an mma promoter now and i don't know most of the champions because i just don't follow the names as much as i used to when there was a tito or frank or somebody that you follow their whole journey um so yeah, yeah. we're excited for the tryouts <laughs> No, super cool, man. I love that. So I, I just, uh, yeah, I'm glad you answered that question. So if you're a, if you're a fighter or you're a friend of a fighter or you're a parent of a fighter or a coach of a fighter and you're listening to this podcast, you come across this, you know, this episode and you're listening to it, 
yeah, take some notes on this stuff, guys. If this is exciting you, that's exactly what the whole point is. It's supposed to excite you. If this is exciting you, if this excites you is what I was trying to say. Let's use my Boise State education. So if this excites you, that's what it's supposed to do. You you should be excited. Like this is awesome. And there's opportunities for you to potentially get in with this, this whole, you know, the UFL, you know, try out, um, you know, go with, with Freedom Fight Nights and stuff like that. Like there's a lot of cool opportunities for for some of these fighters. So, you know, check it out. And then the other thing I wanted to, I had it written here and I didn't touch base on it yet, but with these fights, especially with the UFL, how are people going to be able to watch it? Right. I've heard about rumble, uh, a potential partnership with rumble, but like, how do people watch the fights when they do start for the UFL, the, the four different events that it will be in 2023 in February, May, August, and December. Like, how are we able to watch them? Cause maybe, maybe we're not a fighter, but we want to watch these and take part in like, you know, uh, I'm excited to see it. So how do we watch them? And then maybe does that roll in with like what Rumble's doing? Absolutely. We are so excited to partner with Rumble now that we're their first combat sport entertainment. Well, we were. <laughs> well, I don't know if the power slap now can is considered combat sports, but since we announced <laughs> our partnership uh, and we were the first sport league of any kind to partner with Rumble, now all of a sudden uh, power slap uh has gone there but i think they actually just got purchased to go to tbs or something but it's it's showing that we're getting eyes on us what we do tends to influence things which is getting really exciting because if we can you know have powerful eyes trying to copy us we must be doing something right so rumble is where we are going to have most if not all of our pay-per-views on um we love what we're able to accomplish with them on our own servers and, and everything, but we also are building our own app. Our app will also be able to, if people purchase the pay-per-view, they could stream through, through the app, but ultimately long-term people will be able to earn badges on our apps for free pay-per-view for, um, you know, ex exclusive content to these hall of famers or, or current fighters or whatnot. And then, you can earn those badges, which long-term will turn into NFTs. So where there's a big long-term exciting future for audiences to follow along, not only via pay-per-view, our reality show, um, our, going to our events, but all of these different things, just being involved, you can be a very important per, uh, participant in our community and uh, just give us give us some time. It's going to keep going. I love it, man. As a fan of the sport, like I said at the beginning of this, I'm a huge fan of combat sports. I'm a former boxer. I love the sports. Um, but I, I'm, a, I'm not just a fan of the UFC. I, I, I think casuals, we, we'll call them the casuals, typically follow the higher leagues. But what I like, even in, in football, I love the XFL. I love the idea of the XFL. I love the idea of the USFL. I love the ideas of having other opportunities other avenues because i believe that there are high level athletes that need these opportunities to compete after they're you know sometimes for a fighter maybe it's, they were a wrestler in high school or or something or they were an amateur boxer and they don't really know that maybe in their city they don't really have any opportunities after that well mixed martial arts people like yourself these innovative visionaries have these like opportunities for them and so that's why i'm super stoked about this when i first talked to you this is what i said at the beginning of the, the episode i was blown away i'm like oh 
this is like this is something that like I can get on board with. I love this stuff. So I'm hoping that the, there's others, and I know there are that, that are like me who will be taking part in this and you know, you know, buying these pay-per-views and supporting not only the league but the fighters themselves and and being part of this and helping promote this out there because this is huge. This is it's it's so it's so awesome. But in this episode, you've discussed a couple of things, and I just want to give you credit, Harrison, because you just mentioned, I mean, we've talked energy drinks. We've talked insurance. We've talked shares for a company. We've talked about reality shows. We've talked about podcasts. We've talked about, you know, the tryouts for this stuff. We've talked about phase one, phase two, phase three. Like you've got all these phases for things. We've talked about NFTs. You've talked about an app, pay-per-views. There's so many aspects of a business. So I just have to give you credit because you are the entrepreneur. You are the true entrepreneur, the business owner, the guy, the visionary. No, there's no like question now as to why you started your first business as a junior in high school, right? Like you, you kind of figured out the system. There's a lot of pieces that need to be put in place and you've been able to do it. And I want to ask you one final question, Harrison, as an entrepreneur in your business journey, even outside of the MMA world, you've obviously built yourself up through other businesses and such. What's the biggest life lesson you've learned as a business owner? Oh man. Um, being, I mean, this is probably going to sound cliche nowadays, but when I first started saying it, it really kind of surprised people. But if you haven't heard of emotional intelligence uh, by now, look into it because that is my biggest thing that I look for, not only in partners and people that I want to develop to take over a company and operate it for me. I think it's what's really changing the um, industry in MMA right now is because a lot of these fighters are so excited Um to come over to UFL because of our emotional intelligence and what comes from intelligence is either people who have empathy and sympathy because they've been there or they just have those skill sets where they can put themselves in those positions be like, Hey, we need to fix that. And so for them to see that we truly actually care and want to solve these um, issue problems that everybody talks about, but they're used to the hard negotiator you know, fight for nothing. Uh, you should be thankful that you're fighting for our promotion and nothing else. But that's not emotionally intelligent and that doesn't have long-term success. Being able to build these things that we're building that shows that, you know, we're going to take care of everybody is is what sets people up for forever success. And so emotional intelligence, I think, is crucial for any entrepreneur these days, no matter what industry. So cool, man. And I appreciate the insight. I hope everybody who has listened to this today, like I said, takes notes. If you need to rewind it, go back and listen to something that Harrison said, do so. Um, if you ever want to reach out to us, feel free. Like you all know where my social media platforms are. I'm going to link some of the uh, the pages here, the Instagrams, the YouTubes um, for all of what you've got going on right now, Harrison, for, for the UFL and everything, because I want people to be able to follow what you guys got going on. It's going to be pretty freaking huge. So I'm excited for it. And I just want to say thank you, man. Thank you for, we had some technical difficulties during this interview, but Harrison stayed patient with me. He's a busy man. So I appreciate you doing that, man. And, and just uh, being willing to share your story, brother. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate all the help you're doing. I mean, if anything is successful on our podcast or stuff that we're doing, you know, you've been the mag- the magician behind the the curtains. And so I really want to give you the credit and I, you know, thanks. I can't wait to keep growing together in 2023. 
Heck yeah, man. I appreciate you, brother. For all those who are listening, hope you guys enjoyed it. If you guys did, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Just let us know what you thought about Harrison's interview. And you guys know the drill. Subscribe to the show, and we'll be coming to you next week with another one. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars, and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.